1: Everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, brought to you by WinBet Sports. Uh, w Y N N B E T. If you can bet in one of the six states that WinBet is running live right now, please do so. Uh, we please use their product. We appreciate their exclusive sponsorship throughout the podcast fall podcast season. I'm here with Fred Zinke, Jeff Erickson. Here, how you doing, Fred?
2: I'm good. Uh, I just read something. I'm going to derail you at first. I'm going to derail you for a second. Vlad Vlad Settler just posted something on Twitter. You're usually the guy giving me things that just got posted. Okay. And I'm going to ask you this this interesting topic. He says, if you don't change the default of your name to an actual team name the entire fantasy season, you're a psychopath. I don't think I've ever changed one of my NFC team names. Ever. Like, Um... off off Zinky and then the number that they put beside it or whatever it says, whatever the default is. I don't even remember what it is, but do you change I'd say you're you more name,
1: sociopath than psychopath, but do you uh, name your,
2: do you name all your teams? I
1: don't. Um, I, I mean, if I do, it's icky shuffle or something, you know, it's okay. rarely except for one league, which I try to get a little bit more pop culturally, but even then it's usually not a recent pop culture reference. Like, uh, I, I'm a fan of the show Justified, so I named something off of Win Duffy, a character in Justified that I thought was a pretty clever character, a fun character. So, at any rate, he, he was also a sociopath too, but he was <laughs> he was entertaining. Um, I am just not good at team names. I don't I don't, same. I don't yep. really enjoy the process. I, I I get a chuckle over good ones from everybody else, but it's. How many times is it my ball, Zach Ertz? Okay, great. Oh, you're so clever there. I mean, stop. <laughs> you know, you know. It, it, it's yeah. I, I've only seen that like 37 times. Like, come up. You know, if you're gonna be clever, be clever. Don't you know? And try not and, to be crude.
2: And Yahoo just tweeted out also so this. I got two reasons that they just tweeted out that their most common team name this year is uh, Bishop. That bishop sycamore which totally makes sense that's a wild story but you're right i'm not great at team names back in the day like early 2000s when i would have like one or two fantasy football teams and like one or two fantasy baseball teams i would come up with a name like playing at espn or playing at yahoo and those are my only teams and i would come up with a name now i have so many teams so many baseball teams so many football teams that i find i just never name them
1: so I have, I have one league where we're required to – it's a home league. We're required to come up with a team name. There, my team name is then been used in a lot of others. It's El Scorcho's, and that's uh, based off the Weezer song, El Scorcho. Uh, I just okay. think it sounds like a good baseball name. It sounds like you're hitting. Uh, or I'll name it after a red, like Mario Soto's Circle Change. I'll, I'll call it that or something like that. Right. Um
2: I'm not I think I, I was going to say, yeah, me neither, but I might try to come up this off season with a good team name and then like use it for all my teams. And then I'll just number them or something, right? Yeah. Like I'll El, El one, Al Scorchos two, but like all my teams will be that name. And I, I always thought all season that my, with Jeff Zimmerman, my main event team should probably be ZZ Top. Or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, yeah, sure. Zimmerman, like, that's an easy one. Like, but for me personally, for all my teams that I'm on my own with, I'm, I'm going to try to come up with this is an off-season goal of mine. I'm going to come up with a good team name, maybe related to where, with a, with a city and a, like, I'm going to come up with a name, like from where I live and like a good name or something, something good. And no I'm goes
1: because do, you don't sleep on this team. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's I'm going to know. I'm
2: going to have something, I, whether it's a Canadian pun type thing like or whether it. I, I don't know, but I'm going to come up with something by next season and I'm going to, and I'll, and then I'll number the teams or just name them all that. And uh, in the NFC, I'll probably not, I have to number them just to keep them straight or something.
1: But maybe anyway. I'll just, I'll just name them all Vlad Sedler and then I'll manage really badly and then I'll ruin his reputation. <laughs> uh, but, that's part of the devious plan. So we'll see about that. Maybe, maybe not. Good idea. Good idea. Anything to put me in a better mood than uh, what my reds are doing, right?
2: And what your reds are doing, which is just losing a few games. It's not the end of the world. dude. It
1: is the end of the world. They haven't,
2: they haven't done well. Their pitching is still there. Like they did. If you lost all these games and lost your players to injury, I would get it or something, but they're there. Mm -hmm. They'll come back. I did have, I did happen to put in the notes that, they play four of their next eight against lefty starters, which we know they're not good at. And But they aren't good lefty starters for the most part, but they are lefties. And then they face Scherzer and Bueller. At least that's what's scheduled right now. So that's their next 10 games. That's, for them, not good.
1: So my rebuttal is John Lester shut them down last
2: week. I know. I He's know. John Lester. I know. So now- Although Mike Miner couldn't.
1: Uh, and, uh, yeah. and of course, Jay Happ was a bridge too far. Uh, so of course He's I use to and friends and family. We talked about this on our yes. show, our pod, and it was like, yeah, there there is a bridge too far. Um, and yeah. I managed I managed to cross that one, but I'm just so pessimistic. We you know we lost two out of three to the Tigers, two out of three to the Marlins, two out of three to the Cardinals, which is direct competition. Mm-hmm. Two out of three to the Brewers. I mean, it's just at all. It, this is supposed to be you know you have an easy schedule. You got to take advantage of it. But I think they were playing over their skis to get to that position probably. where they were in the wild card in the first place, probably. And now the Padres aren't absolute caca anymore. So yeah, all that progress is lost.
2: Yeah, it becoming this thing becoming like a four or five team race is mm-hmm. the big, is the concerning thing for me. Like if they had a losing streak, but then there's still just them and the Padres, okay. But th- what's happened? I think what this losing streaks really done is it's it's given the Phillies. And the Cardinals, like it's given them some life now that they're like, Hey, yep. if we, if we want to, now you're playing the odds that out of the Padres, the Phillies, the Cardinals, like one of them here could go on a run and win eight of 10 or something right. like that. Um, if it was just them and the Padres, it's like a little easier to kind of just go ass backwards in, you know, we weren't great, but neither was the other guy. Now they're going to have to play some good ball the rest of the way, which they're, which they could do.
1: Yep. That's yeah. right.
2: It's good. You got meaningful September baseball. It's good. Life is good.
1: It, yeah, it's, it's good. I just think it should be better because they did their investment a year ago and then they backed it off this year, but that's covered territory. Let's move territory. on. Yeah. Marcus Semien. Okay. Oof. 37 homers, 14 stolen bases, walk off home run against the A's on Friday night. That had to be so satisfying for him. Just Scott and I were talking about that on Sunday night and he's like, I can't even begrudge him. You know, it's like this, this ownership group deserves that. But uh, you know, Importantly for us, what do you do with him next year?
2: Yeah, I think landing spot for me is going to matter with him. That being said, like maybe I shouldn't say that too much because 2019 on the A's, which is not a great park to hit in, right? Like 33 Mm -hmm. homers, 10 steals, 285 batting average. Okay, so let's look at what he could probably do next season. So he has 14 steals this year. His pace last year is about a dozen previous year was 10 the previous year he's pretty much every year actually 10 to 15 so yeah he's he's turning 31 soon so I'll say next year 10 to 12 I'm not going to say big drop off but let's say 10 to 12 home runs last year would have been paced to about 20 that Mm -hmm. but the previous but sandwiched around that he's going to hit 40 this year and he hit 33 the previous year so I mean if he stays in Toronto I probably like him a little more but either way I feel like we can predict like low low to mid 30s. Do you think that's fair for next year? 30. If he gets 41 or something this year, do you think next year, 42, do you think next year it's fair to predict even 33, something like that?
1: Yeah. Uh... So 33
2: homers, 33 homers, let's say 11 steals. And then the batting average, that one's a little trickier. Um, his Babbitt's not high this year. I'll say somewhere around what it was this year. This year's 267. So 33 homers, 11 steals. This year he's hitting 267. His career's 256. Something like 265 probably makes sense. Yeah. So 265, 33 homers, 11 steals. The count- other counting stats I'm not going to get too into because that'll depend on who's- who he's on. Um, sure. But-, but he's probably done so well that he will get a good lineup spot no matter where he is, like hitting either leadoff second third something like i don't think someone's bringing him in on a pretty pretty big how big of a contract do you think he gets four years four or five years
1: maybe there's so many shortstops out there middle i infielders know. Out there. four
2: years maybe that would take him from age 31 to 30 i'd 31, say 31, three to four 31. years i don't think he gets five because he's already age 30 yeah. i mean seagers
1: yeah. out there uh you know, yeah there's gonna be others that are gonna be you know, yeah trevor story's gonna be out there
2: and we know they're going to be tentative next this offseason yeah. manager, or general managers. So, okay. So where does that so, – so where does 33 homers and 10 steals or so, 10, 12 steals, where does that put you in a draft? I'm going to try to quickly pull up. Second round, right? Second round. I was trying to quickly think of someone who had that kind of projection. Bryce Harper. That's kind of where Bryce Harper falls, isn't it? Mm -hmm. every year you get it at
1: shortstop and second base because he's got 20 games at short so he's going to qualify at both
2: yeah we typically project i feel like bryce harper for those stats i know harper's hitting for a better average this year Mm -hmm. than he usually does but we typically project him i think around that like if i look at the previous three seasons i bet if i went back and looked at my harper projections for this year it would be around there so there you go second round maybe mid-second round
1: Bo Bichette or Marcus Simeon?
2: Oh, that's a really tough one. And I'm going to say, don't pick the old guy. Uh, Don't pick the old guy. I'm going to say, oh, Bichette. I'm going to take Bichette. How about you?
1: I would too. Simeon's out. Using our earned auction value tool, Simeon's outproduced uh, Bichette by two bucks only. Plus you get the age difference. And honestly, the, the batting average difference is a thing too. Now- Yes. Is that sustainable? Or is arguable. That's the one thing you have to uh, kind of bet on. But uh, yeah, I, I think I would. Uh, by the way, Trey Turner is going to be second and short eligible next year too. That's going to be something, and, and a top five,
2: top five pick easily. I think.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think. he's missed so much time that he's not earned as much as Simeon or, or Bichette. But I mean, mm. yeah, I, I'm going to be all over that again. Hitting, you're locked in on the batting average with him. That's the thing I like a lot. About
2: yeah, him. I think with Simeon, Simeon's been a better player real life. His OPS is 76 Mm. points higher than Bichette's. But even like you said, this year, the dollar value is almost the same, even with that OPS gap, the extra steals from Bichette, the fact that Bichette's still on the way up, then there's a chance that next year, he's the guy who hits 37 home runs or something. And Bichette's always been a batting average guy. He was a batting average guy in the minors. He's got three three major league seasons, although the, uh, the first two are quite short. But they're all 290 or better, so he's a pretty consistent batting average guy. I think Bichette squeaks into the first round next year because there'll be people out there. He's 21-21 for homers and steals right now. So let's say he finishes about 25-25. At his age, there'll be people next year who predict him for a 30-30 season or something like it, a 32-27 season or something. Right. And and 300. Um, I think he goes in the first round of all the leagues next year.
1: Well, Bichette or Trevor Story?
2: Bichette. i'm gonna take bichette on the way up unless story lands somewhere that's really favorable i think i'll take bichette on the way up because i'm thinking with story the steals total next year is probably gonna be pretty similar to mm-hmm. no i'll take bichette maybe for a little more in steals and then as far as the power goes i think there's gonna be a real concern when he's not in coors which i don't think he will be um is he still a 35 homer guy somewhere else because he he was for a couple of years last year his pace was 30 something this year he's not. He's going to get to not even twenty five. So
1: he's going to be a twenty twenty player,
2: though. Absolutely. And the yeah, absolutely. But the, there's going to be. I was the no air no to Arenado guy this year and took lots of flack from people on Twitter about how dare you. He's going to be just as good in St. Louis as he was in Colorado, and I was like, well, did like, people no. say
1: there he's going to be just as good?
2: Who said I that? got I I got not not what I would call no like like. Like people, not experts, not not analysts, but people. When I would write the articles, he was going in Yahoo leagues. This is remarkable. He was going in the late second round when their ADP was rolling in like mid March, like late, like pick, pick like twenty three. And I and I hmm. I was all I was like, this is bizarre and a terrible strategy move. I don't know if it's name value like NFBC. He went appropriately. He was a fine pick this year where he was going like round. I guess six, the, that's the thing
1: is the leagues I'm in. He wasn't he wasn't going where No, I was. he was fine. He's so almost like was. a straw man, but I guess you're wow. dealing with a different universe. And that's Absolutely. fine. Yeah. That's great.
2: Yeah. yeah. And my basic premise was like in in Colorado other than the last season when he was hurt, in Colorado he was always a 9 something OPS guy and I was like that's not happening in with him in St. Louis. And it's right. not. It's it's 812 and he like he's again he's doing fine. He's got 29 homers, 88 RBIs. He probably finishes somewhere around 33 and 100. He had a good year. If you picked him in round 6, like he's not the reason if you don't win your league, he's not the reason.
1: Yeah. And the thing that's got is hurting, and this is true with a lot of players that leave course, it's the batting average. It's not the yeah. power. Yeah. Um, 29 homers, like you said, he's hitting 257 though. 88 RBI is in the middle of that lineup. Uh, quick appreciation for Paul Goldschmidt. In fact, I need to get Jenny Butler on the show because she's her tweet inspired my appreciation for Goldschmidt this year. 286, 24, 82, 10. Stolen bases and seventy-six runs. That's a really darn good year. You got your yep. money's worth from Goldie this year.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Two veterans. It goes to show that you like you can take veterans and they can have you like you can get your money. Like there's nothing wrong with that. And same with if you take mm. Simeon. Early yep. next year, or something like that. Uh, with Arenado, like again, I do think what do we always talk about with Coors that like people really in the know will say that it's the batting average as much as the power that Coors right. bumps up. Well, if Arenado was playing in Coors this year, I'm sure someone smarter than me, whether it's Derek Cardy or someone like that, can tell us if he just did put all his batted balls into play at home at Coors this year, that 257 would probably be I don't know 280, 277, something like that. So overall, maybe 275, something like that. So. Not being in Coors for sure factored in with him. Um, anyways, yeah. a little off topic there, but but he was a fine pick in NFBC. Went way too early in Yahoo, and back to Trevor's story. If he leaves Coors, which he will, I'm going to be a little skeptical on the batting average and the home run totals. Sure, being, him being able to get back to to what he was. So. Yeah, I can share share that. And I also think with some of these hitters, not story, but when we're talking about Bichette and Simeon, somehow pitching will find its way into the top 20 picks next year. It always does, especially late in draft season. But Mm -hmm. man, there are not a ton of pitchers to take in round one next year. This was actually one of the things I put in my notes was like, could you just take Scherzer in round one next year, even though he's going to be 37 on opening day and 38 when the season ends? Because he's been so good this year. And like, are you taking Scherzer or Degrom next year?
1: I think you can. Let's talk about that in a second. Let's sure. get a note, quick note here from our friends at WinBet, and we'll talk about first round pitchers. If there's one thing we appreciate here at RotoWire, it's making good decisions, and even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks! I have an incredible offer for you with RotoWire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for RotoWire's Fantasy Podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's Digital Casino and take a spin on roulette. Double down in blackjack, where you might see, uh, you know, Fred Zinke sitting down there with a uh, smoking jacket there right next to you there. Slam the slots or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: First round pitchers. Can you justify t- uh, taking Max Scherzer in the first round? Who else is going to go in the first round? That's a pitcher. We'll see some guys. Do you take Scherzer over to Grom? Okay, let's let's start Scherzer to Grom. I want to start there first. Because I think Degrom is like a ridiculously hard decision for next year.
2: Oh, yeah. Like as hard of a decision, I think, as we've seen. Where like he's, well, he went first overall in some drafts this year. He yep. came out basically like he came out second overall in my projections this year behind Acuna. Um, I could understand exactly how different people with different weighting systems would have him first. He's going to, depending on how it just depends how many innings you project next season. If you project him for, for 30 starts, he's going to come out. He was so good this year. Like he's going to come out first, second, third in your projections. And then I'm going to push it down a bit for a few starts to account for the injury factor. But if you want to go for broke in your league, he's he's your first round pick.
1: You know he's Mike Trout though, in a way though. It's like stud, but how many? uh, How volume matters, and you know if he pitches in September at some point, I might change my tune. But you know he we had a note on Saturday, ten days from advancing to bullpen sessions.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Why is he going to pitch?
2: I think he's not yeah I don't think he's so we're going to go into the offseason with all these concerns I mean I I think if the season went if the Mets went to the World Series we would see him pitch again uh but they're not and I don't I don't so I don't think of him as trout in the sense that trout's been banged up now a few seasons in a row whereas DeGrom when I go back starting in 2017 for starts 31 32 32 and then all 12 last year so this is his first time that he's missed any a significant right. amount of time in in a long time like we're going back to 2016 when he made 24 starts even the year before that he made 30 he's actually been but we did see a little bit of bumps and bruises last season he didn't go on the il but remember he was scratched once or twice and there was some or some once or push back or something yep, there was some side tightness and then everything and then this year we've got the we've got the back and and the side and now we've got the forearm which is more concerning I don't know. I think I think if I was in a, how about this? I think if I was in a main event, I would be interested in putting some chips into Degrom in the first round because you're trying. If you're trying to win something big, if I was just yeah. trying to win a league like my Tout Wars League or something, maybe I would rather just wait till the next round and just take a hitter and then wait till the next round because I do think Degrom goes in the first round next year, don't you?
1: Yeah, I do too. I mean, the the it just the takes caveat is if there's any delay in spring training, then all bets are off. But right now, if we're deciding now, and I know Justin Mason has already done the 2022 draft already. We had him on last week. Um, I would take Cole over him. Yeah. Over to Grom. I would take Scherzer over to Grom. We'll see where Scherzer Scherzer lands, but say if he resigns with the Dodgers. I mean, that's a snap call.
2: Yeah, if he re-signs the Dodgers for sure. Yeah, other than that, I, I I agree. We'll see where he lands.
1: I probably I think I might take Bueller over to Degrom.
2: The problem is with Bueller is just that Degrom. So it's amazing. I just pulled up the Yahoo rankings so far this year. So Degrom, even with all this injury time, is still the number three pitcher. Is um, he really? That's so he has a .55 whip. Like that's ridiculous. His era is one hundred eight. His era is one hundred eight. That his era is a whip. Yeah. Like, like 108 is a good whip and it's his ERA. Like, he's, he's got 146 strikeouts and he's been out forever. And Bueller's at 184. That's the hard part is the, is with Bueller, it's, it's just the strikeouts. He doesn't have the strikeout rate of Scherzer and Cole. That's a good point. He'll still go. I think Bueller will go now that he's cracked the innings thing that I, I was concerned about. And so were some others. Yeah. Like, how many innings are going to let him throw? Well, if he throws, he's going to, he's at 179. He could get to 200 this year. If he gets to 200, like, then all bets are like everybody will be in on him next year. I think he'll be a first. Like I said, these pitchers find their way in the first round. So now I, we just mentioned Cole, DeGrom, Scherzer, Bueller. That's four right there that all could be in the first round next year.
1: I think that's where it stops now. You know, someone can go crazy. Uh, but you know in, in, someone can you know really you know go up and, and to the next level and good good on him if they I do. think that's
2: where it stops too. And and I I struggled to find what's interesting is I struggle now to find second round pitchers.
1: Yeah. Because I think there's
2: gotta be a lot of those. Woodruff. Yeah, probably. I, yep, yep, Woodruff. Burns. Burns. Yes, I think so. Although Burns is a tricky one, eh? Like 144 innings, he might finish, depending if they how much they baby him, around 165.
1: Yeah, but we but already I, knew this was going to be the issue yeah, all along. You know? and we it's did. because of a unique twenty twenty season. I, I, I'm not even concerned about that. I think Wheeler yeah. is the Wheeler and Gosman are the ones that are. You're kind of like, okay, yeah. we're, we're going to be put to the test. How much do you rely on last on twenty twenty one? I mean, uh, I mean, in, in both, you know, in both cases, we are drafting them in the top ten rounds in the main event, but you know, mm-hmm. probably even t- in the top one hundred picks, but. Mm-hmm. Now it's another level, maybe, maybe 110 with Gosman. And now that I'm thinking about it there, but it, it, it's not completely out of the blue. It's not Adam Wainwright at, at, at age 700 and having, after four bad years, all of a sudden being great again. It's not mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, I'm, I'm exaggerating by half with the case of Wainwright, but <laughs> uh,
2: you
1: know, it, it, it's not Robbie, it's not never Robbie Ray ending up being like the sixth most valuable starter or anything like that. Um, these are guys that we expected to be, to be good they just took it to another level.
2: Yeah. I think Gossman, the landing spot will matter, right? Cause he's on a mm-hmm. one year deal with the giants. So I like, uh, like that's just been such a, the giants this year have been a real pitching factory for fantasy managers. Like beyond yeah. him, they've had a lot of guys. Logan Webb right now has been amazing lately. Um So I think where he ends up will matter a lot for him, but yeah, yeah yep. we know. So we know in a 15 team league that 13, 13 12 guys are gonna gonna want to get their ace in the first two rounds, and someone might double tap. Right. So there's probably 12-13 pitchers to go in the first two rounds. Well, we named four maybe for the first round, and then we named about four for the second round, and that included Gossman and Wheeler and Burns and Woodruff. So there is some work to be done there.
1: Yeah, um, well, let me throw out some more names for you yeah, here. Yeah, Giolito, he was going at the turn in the mains this year. He hasn't killed you, yeah. but he also has a 369 ERA, a 111 whip, only nine wins, actually. So that, you know, if he had won like say 13 games, yeah, I mean, you would see that dollar value be a lot higher. I think I'd be inclined to take him again the second yeah. round, despite he'll get in, the he'll, frustrations.
2: He'll, yeah. He'll get into round two. It's the 111 whip helps and he's going to get over 200 strikeouts and people will throw out the wins because he's on a good team. So yep. it's just his ERA is a little higher than you'd like. It's almost like how Luis Castillo was in the second round this year, even though his whips a little higher mm-hmm. than typically a little higher than you'd like. Okay. So there's one, you got anyone else?
1: Well, I think some of it depends also on whether or not we have the universal DH or not uh, bringing sure. some of these national leaguers yep. back to the pack. Cause you know, there's a lot of national leaguers high on this list um what do you do with you darvish next year
2: not take him in the first two rounds uh his him him tailing off just so closely coincided too with the the crackdown on the grip he enhancers did. although his strikeout to walk rate since he cooled off and he cooled off massively like his strikeout to walk rate during that time is still pretty good so like I, I but he's not going in the first two rounds i i see a couple uh julio Arias. Yeah, like he's going to finish around 175 innings. That's plenty on the Dodgers. Like yep. his ratios are good. I uh, everybody in fantasy loved Joe Musgrove even when he didn't pitch well. So now that he does pitch well, I feel like everybody will like he. Like we could get years, jump to
1: that next level.
2: I I think I could see it. He's going to again. He's going to finish if he puts a 200 up for strikeouts and has an ERA under three. I think he goes and he could go in the second round. And again, it's 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 National League. It's a good park. Um, I think Lance Lynn is in the discussion, but doesn't quite make it. I just
1: clicked through on his name. That's so funny. I think
2: the guys like Musgrove and Arias, you can dream on a little more than Lynn. Like they're younger mm -hmm. and and they get, and they have a higher strikeout rate.
1: Yeah. We obviously don't know what's going to happen with Trevor Bauer. uh, So I won't even ask you to speculate on that. Just, you know, that's another guy that could be in the mix. Uh, But what about Shane Bieber?
2: Oh, that's a good one. I forgot about him. Yep. uh, Shane Bieber, yeah, he'll be a second-round pick. Someone will dream on him. He's a first-round pick this year, so someone will be a second-round pick. You're right, and now I'm getting an injured guy. I don't think Jack Flaherty will make the second round.
1: No, but no way.
2: no. I know you've been burned by Flaherty.
1: No, no. I've been, i hey, I got burned. He was a third rounder already. That's more my why I'm saying no true. way. That's what I was um, saying.
2: That's what I was it, gonna say too. So I think, but he pitched well when he was healthy this year. So I'm gonna say more like third round guy. I say fourth round.
1: Yeah, I, I don't doubt his performance at all. It's just right. You know, the setback and the health. I uh, mean, that, that, that's the thing is, you know, those, you know, it should be a fresh new year. We'll see about that. Brad Johnson asked Chris Sale. What do you think about Chris Sale next
2: year? Uh, he'll go high. Someone will, uh, depends how his innings are going to be next year, like what they're going to, if they're going to let him go full out with his innings or not. Um, and I, knowing the Red Sox, I think they'll tell us uh, before we even draft. So I'm going to say Chris Sale. I think the inning concerns will be enough to push him down to round maybe the two three turn something like that early round three. What do you think?
1: Uh, yeah, there we'll see. I mean, we'll see what the, you know how he finishes in September. Yeah. How what he looks like in spring. The later yeah. I draft, the more likely he he strikes me as a helium guy. Like he's going to be one of those yeah. guys, by, that he'll be early second by the time we get to late March. If everything is going
2: smooth, if the Red Sox come out and say we're taking it slow, we're going to have six starters early in the season. We got to pace him out. He's only going to throw, you know. We're mm-hmm. going to keep his innings down this year. You know, like like then I could see him going all the way down to like late third round early fourth round. But if you're right, he's the kind of guy who could go out in spring training, have one of those three innings, eight strikeouts, and all of a sudden everybody's talking about him in in round two. So I think Bieber's is a good one. I think. Bieber will not go in round one, but I could see him going in round two. I guess we did just fill the names enough. There's enough guys out there. You just have to, you have to hope and dream on a few of these guys. Like whether it's yep. hoping and dreaming, like whether it's it's uh, Arias or Musgrove, or so if, if you're near the back of the pack on those. This is what happens every year, I guess. If you're at the back of the pack on those guys, you have to dream a bit, which is then what causes some people to say, "Well, forget it. I'm just going to take Cole a second overall." Or fourth overall, or something, Because like right. I don't, I don't want to dream on one of these guys at pick twenty-seven. So I'm just going to take Cole, and then I'll get some hitters later.
1: And that might be the right play, maybe.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. A okay. uh,
1: we'll t- little more news items coming up in a second, but first, another note from one of our sponsors. Uh, let's let's talk about our good friends from Vivid Seats. The summer is coming to an end, which means only one month until postseason baseball. There's no better place to be than Vivid Seats to watch your team race towards the postseason. So grab your MLB tickets, maybe a stadium hot dog or two, and cheer on your favorite team from the stands. Even better, they have a rewards program designed to provide real rewards for fans. Earn rewards, ticket upgrades, and perks just for shopping. If you're looking for tickets to the game, to see your favorite performer, or that new show everyone is talking about, Vivid Seats has it all. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. I'm here with Fred Zinke. I'm Jeff Erickson. Let's talk a little bit uh, Fred about Charlie Morton. Got picked up for next year, 20 million. You now, as opposed to last year where the Rays thought he was kind of done
2: uh-huh.
3: and
1: they didn't pick up what seemed to be a pretty reasonable option and for a month they seemed like they were really right, all of a sudden Morton's been awesome. We didn't mention among possible early picks, but you know, he's been among like the top you know, 15 starting pitchers in baseball this year in terms of value. Uh, you know, he's got 100, 185 strikeouts, 13 wins, 347, 1063 whip. Where are you on him for next
2: year? Yeah, I think like just because of his age, I'm going to say like a number two, like a mid-level number two, mid to low level number two. I, maybe I'm pessimistic. I, I could see him being undervalued in some circles because he didn't get off to a great start this season. So when some people caught quit paying attention, like whose teams fell out of the race, his mm-hmm. ERA at, at mid-season, right? His ERA is close to four, not quite mid-season, yeah. but you know, like I got him at a 403 in late June at one point, a 391 in on July 8th, it's a 391. So people who really paid attention in the first half and then started drifting yep. off in summer, I could see. He's saying oh Morton he's no good you know he, he he's not good anymore but since then he's been on fire and the Braves what's interesting is the Braves I, I think this has to matter in fantasy the Braves clearly believe in him they clearly believe in his talent and they believe in yep. his and, and they believe in his health and Alex Anthopoulos is a good general manager I agree a very successful and is not the type of guy to just throw whatever it was 20 something million dollars 20 million dollars at someone you know, just willy nilly. So, and the Braves are a decent budget team, but they're not the Yankees. So right, I think, I think to me that matters a lot. The Braves who are around them all the time and seeing them say, this guy can be a horse for us again next year. So I'm saying number two starter. What do you think? Like round five. Sure. Maybe, maybe, maybe four, if late in draft season, if guys get pushed up, what do you think?
1: I'd say probably five or six age will push them down a little bit. I mean, the K's are there. I mean, and they've been there before. He had 240 in 2019, I think we, this is a. You mentioned Alex Anthopoulos. How about a note of appreciation for you know his second act with the Braves? You know he had a, a, a rough time in Toronto, but he also was playing with one arm tied behind his back. I felt like when he, you know and I'm using a gross uh, you know a, a bad metaphor, but you know what I'm saying is he didn't yeah. have the full support of the organization when he was the GM there, uh, and he learned a lot on the job too. You know, you know, first your first time at it, you're probably not as great at it. second time. He seems like he's better. He inherited an incredible, terrible scandal uh, when he first became the GM for the Braves. Remember, they had to cut yeah. some prospects, uh, yeah. you know, rescind all or rescind a lot of these signings uh, that, you know, and he had to come in and after that uh, and kind of clean things up. And you look at the Braves and they've got a strong organization. They tried at the break. He got Liberty Media to be, go be a buyer at the break. Something they don't aren't usually are. I mean, good for him.
2: Yeah. So he is incredibly beloved in Toronto uh, because he's a Canadian and he like, like you said, so he had that he had he's he's the guy who traded for Price and Tulo and all these guys and made the run and traded away a bunch of prospects. And then there was just because they made a late run. That season, um, there was some bitterness between him and management. He thought he should get a contract. They never offered him one. They took it all the way to the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And then he walked away from it, and they had just gone all the way to within what they needed two more wins to get to the World Series when they lost the Royals. And he had done this, and fans were like, the Blue Jays hadn't been in the playoffs in forever. Fans were loving him. And then they brought in Shapiro and Atkins, who are very businessy. Yes. St- Staddy and Anthopolis was very relatable. And these other guys didn't like the fans are were so mad and now they've kind of come around. Cause, and then obviously when those guys came in, the Jays quickly had to go into a rebuild a little over a year later and right. they had, to, and they had to, they weren't. An and they fan.
1: let Ross Atkins talk too. That was the other problem. That
2: didn't those. go well. And fans. Yeah. So there are still blue Jays fans who will say they just wish Anthopolis was still here. Um, that, that they don't give these guys a lot of credit for guys like Guerrero and Bichette that they still wish Anthopolis was here. And even with the, now it's, it'll wear off and everything, but he is, he is beloved here. And I thought what he did, what he did with the Braves was amazing at the deadline. Like they, the Mets were winning the division at the time. And, but he knew they were within striking distance and picking up guys like Duvall and Solaire, like cheap. They didn't, he didn't need to gut his farm system and right. but just giving them those veterans. And and I, I, there's a good quote by him saying something like, like I needed to do some things to show, show the dressing room, the locker room that we believe in them and picking up those guys did that, especially when they were losing bodies like Acuna and they did, they just kept gutting it out. And, I I think I think it's I think he should be in the discussion for executive of the year. I don't know if he should win it or anything, but I think he should be in the discussion.
1: Yeah, I mean they lost. Yeah, you know, losing Acuna is huge in, in and of itself. Yep. They also lost Ozuna. They yeah. lost Darno for most of the year. They didn't have any Soroka this year. They had the terrible setback there. Yes, um, and yep. Here, here, if you here said that if,
2: yeah, if you said the Braves in July would lose Ozuna and Acuna for the year, and then would come and we would be not winning the division. I would say, well, then of course there'll be deadline sellers and finish 500 or whatever. And instead, he, again, without going all in, he didn't trade for Trevor Story or something, but Duvall's been really productive for them. Solaire's been especially productive for them. They're smart, little moves, rebuilt that outfield on the cheap, and away they go. I I love it. I think it's great. I'll be, I'll be, I don't know if I'll be cheering for the Braves in the playoffs, but I'd be fine with seeing them do well in the playoffs.
1: Until they do that chop, and I'll be cheering for them and then I'll be like, oh, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I hate yeah. that chop. I just oh, watched
2: Florida State on Sunday night, so I saw that chop a lot.
1: Yeah. That was a hell of a game,
2: but it was terrific. What an amazing story at the end. I kind of, yeah. I was cheering for Notre Dame, but I kind of wished at the end that Florida State would win.
1: Yeah. And, and then you heard, uh, the the Brian Kelly's interview after the game is like, Oh, I immediately regret cheering for Notre Dame, but no. uh,
2: (laughs) Yeah. Word to the wise. Don't quote people from, I think it was 1978. I think it's just time to put 1978 just for your own job security. Just put 1978 quotes to bed for now. Well, it was
1: like, he couldn't wait. He's like, he'd been thinking all this time. I'm going to co-opt this John McKay quote, quote, and it's going to be awesome and hilarious. And everyone's going to love me. And then it's like, I'm in favor of executing everybody. No, Brian, stop, stop. It, it,
2: it, it's I, I get it. He thought it was in, in the world of football coaches. If you said that in a room of a bunch of guys, Brian Kelly's age, we're all football coaches. They'd have a yeah. good laugh. They know he was joking. I know he's joking, but it. Great. it wasn't a 2020. It wasn't a great 2021 joke.
1: No, it wasn't a great 2021 joke. And it's not a great Brian Kelly, Kelly's history joke either. Yeah. As The other, yeah. other part of that. Yeah. Um, Anyways, uh, sidebar aside, yeah. uh, uh we'll, we'll move on from that, but, uh, yeah, pretty good stuff out of Morton, pretty good stuff out of the, yeah. the Braves, uh, you know, in getting nothing out of Christian Pache, by the way, too, Yeah, uh, he, he had the 25 to 2k to walk ratio when he was up with the big club, uh, Wander Franco, another, you know, talking about lead prospects Hidden two nineties, had this great on base streak, 36 games now, I think, uh, he hasn't had too much fantasy juice out of it. There's seven no. homers, two stolen bases. But you think about it, he got called up in June, and he's at 36 RBI and 48 runs. The runs count. I mean, that you, yep. you're getting your fantasy juice and runs. But oh, the overall numbers look like, okay, well, he's not moving the needle fantasy. Uh, your question on our outline was, like, how high does he go in 2022? And I think this is the Vlad Guerrero lesson. Yep. More than holding your own at age 20. I mean, compare this to all the other, like Kelnick or or other studs that got called up this year and struggled immediately. He's not struggling. He's not striking out. 35 Ks and 261 at-bats. He's getting on base every day. He's in a key part of the lineup. You know, this is a guy that's going to explode. You know, I I, want to be a year too early on him. I I regret not having more Vlad. I'm not going to make that mistake again.
2: Yeah, I, I think I think Vlad. I think you're, that Vlad reference it, it had already crossed my mind, and I think we're going to hear it a, a thousand times before next draft season. Like you said, he's doing so well at such a young yeah. age, better, much better than Vlad did like in the majors yeah. when he first came up. Um, but Vlad had done things that were almost historic in the minors at, at his age to like right. in AAA before he came up, which I think he deserves some credit for Franco's great. Um, he does not steal bases. He sold two in his first eight games. And then his last 51, he has none. So right. you're going to have to project him for a small amount of steals next year, like whatever sure. it is, five, some five, six, something like that. Um, but I think you can project him to have a really high batting average, whether that's 300, I might even go higher than that. Like he's 290 right now with a reasonable BABIP, his strikeout rate's incredibly low. I think I could project him to go to be like Vlad, like be someone who's contending to win the batting average title next yep. year it'll just be so but it's hard to get into those first two rounds if you don't steal some bases. Like you're going to have you got to have a lot of power to get in the first two rounds if you're not going to steal bases. So this year he's at 7 in 59 games. That prorates out to 17, 18 home runs. You're going to have to get him into those first couple rounds. You're going to have to take that 17 and 18 and, and I don't know if you have to double it, but you're going to have to have it a lot higher. It's gonna to have to be thirty at least, I think. 30, yeah. 30 and three hundred with not much speed. Um, I think that could get you but we talked about Bryce Harper as a mid round, mid second round pick, and we're projecting him for thirty five ish home runs and like I don't dozen, think Franco's
1: you know, a top thirty pick. I think he's more on like, a no. Um well remember this is your three
2: you're three yeah. for Vlad. Yeah, I, mean, I know, I know. But Vlad wasn't doing what Franco's doing when he was a rookie, or even Xander Bogarts world. versus Wander Franco. Oh, that's a good one. That is a good one. Xander Bogarts because you're not going to get much speed from Xander Bogarts, but you're probably going to get the high average and the home runs. I, uh, I guess I'm. I guess I'll take Xander Bogarts because he's done it and he's still even on the right side of 30. What do you think? That's a, that's a, good I'm one.
1: going Bogarts. Um, so I'm not really Franco thinking too bad of it.
2: Okay. I, so I that think, puts Franco more, more like round, maybe five for you, four or five. Cause Bogarts is kind of round three.
1: I I'm, I'm going to say like Bogarts middle round three, like he was this year and Franco yeah. in round four, like end of three, beginning four. Uh, it's close, but I'm going to go Bogarts and I'm probably going to Anderson too right
2: and you know and the other th- the thing that's interesting with Franco and I usually like I am very vocal that I'm usually the guy who avoids non-base dealers in the early rounds I want base mm-hmm. dealers and I want pitchers and I want base dealers who are good at other things which is why they go in the early rounds but sure. I want base dealers I, I want double digit steals to those guys so Tim Anderson for me fits a little bit um I might go Franco. Oh, I'm not a huge, I might go Franco over Anderson. Uh, I think what I'm coming to is I'm going to, I think we're both in the same spot. We're going to project Franco fairly favorably next Mm -hmm. year. Like I'm not going to hold back on his projections. Like if he only paces out to, to, like I said, someone who's, if his pace this year was 17 or 18 homers over a full season, I'm going to push that like decently and expect the power to come and a high batting average. I, I, I love to see him steal like three or four bases down the stretch. So I could kind of project him to get even 10 or 12 steals. I, but I don't I'm know. thinking I, like
1: 25 and seven right now is what I'm leaning at right now. With a, I, like think a gonna go higher.
2: I think I'm going to go higher than that a little bit on I which think. not the seven, the 25 and the, and, I, and I'm going to put the batting average. We'll see the rest of the way. I shouldn't start projecting 2020 stats when, especially for him yet, yeah, but I'm interested in predicting 2020 average. stats would be really cheating. Sorry. 2022, <laughs> st- 2022 <laughs> stats. Um, <laughs> But I might even push that batting average a little bit. 306, 310, something like that. I don't know. And, and as you know from doing your SGPs, little things make a big difference in the rankings. It, it really Maybe does. 300 and 310 might push Franco past five more hitters. And one of them could be Tim Anderson or something yeah. along those lines. I don't know. I Yeah, so you're saying kind of round. If you aren't even thinking on Bogart, it's round four at the earliest. Actually, the numbers you're saying, 25, 7, 300, <sighs> round four. Five is that DJ Lemayhu going into this year? Actually, he was. Boy, a front that's a, you
1: don't want to hear that comp now. Uh, but no,
2: but it's what you had projected for right, Lemayhu. Right, right, right. Do you I think know. going into this year? Mm. And like you said, Franco's yeah. been a run scoring machine so far. Yeah, and I don't Man. see the
1: Rays getting bad next year.
2: Nope, and I don't see him hitting anywhere else in the lineup. So that was that was Lemayhu going into this year. Like we were projecting twenty five home runs, maybe not even seven steals. But a really high batting average, and a high, and and because he was hitting leadoff for the Yankees, we thought like 110 runs. So and he didn't deliver, and I am disappointed. He's on my main event team, and it, I'm mad. And I'd still love to see him have an awesome finish, but I'm starting to give up on him. But anyways, I think I I could. But that got him into round three. So maybe Franco does get into round four, round three. I don't know. The three four turn only takes maybe. one guy.
1: Only do- you're right. It only does yeah. take one guy. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do a name this player when we come back. But first, a quick Ooh. note from your, your your other company, Yahoo. The new NFL season is fast approaching and Yahoo is excited to kick off daily fantasy football. Yahoo is also excited to announce that its platform will now be Fred Zinke. I mean, shark free. <laughs> to, to celebrate the opening of Yahoo daily fantasy football and being shark free, Yahoo is giving users the opportunity to claim free $10 in contest entry credit. Users can take advantage of this free $10 entry to credit offer to join Yahoo's week one $1 million baller contest. The $1 million baller contest features $200,000 and guaranteed prizing overlay. 25% of the players entered will be paid out, including first place receiving $100,000 and an entry to the first ever Yahoo Fantasy Football Championship live finals event, which will occur at MGM National Harbor in Maryland this December. Play Daily Fantasy Football on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome to claim the free $10 offer. Thanks to Yahoo for their sponsorship and by extension, Fred. Uh, Fred, name this player. Okay. Since the All-Star break, he is hitting three thirty five, with 15 homers, 40 RBI, 35 runs, and 3 steals. For the season, he's hitting two eighty-three, three .340, .519, 27 homers, 83 RBI, 10 stolen bases, 84 runs, uh, and even 32 doubles. Who is this player?
2: And this player is on 75 to 80% of my teams this year. And Scott tweeted tweeted about him last night, and it's Jorge Polanco, who's having just an amazing, yeah, just an amazing season. That being said, his season looks a little, it's a little more powerful, and I guess a little more speedy, but it's not entirely different from two years ago, our last full season. Like 859 OPS this year, 841 in 2019. He was really, really good in 2019. So, it shouldn't, I guess it shouldn't totally shock us.
1: No, it shouldn't. Uh, yet, here we are. And well, it's because he was very me- blah at the All Star break. He's just yep. caught fire. Yep. And this is what not having a two month season will do. You can have a bad three months and still have a great season ending stat line.
2: Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think he's someone who. Uh, I don't know. I'll wait until the end of the season and look at his underlying statistics and like his fan graphs page and things like that in greater detail and decide, I think I'll project obviously some regression because the first half, like you said, he was, he was playable in fantasy, but that's it, barely. And last year he was not very good at all. Um, So it's been really up and down. Like he has almost a calendar year of being not very good. And then he's caught fire in the second half. So I have a hunch, like he's probably going to finish with 30 homers. 30 and 10 is really good. It's not Marcus Simeon, but it's pretty darn good. I think I'll have to scale that back next year, but like he's the type of league winning type player that you see in the middle rounds drafts. Like I was continually taking him around round 15 or so 14, 15. I felt like in, in the 15 team leagues, um, like I, I felt like he was just going to play a lot and had some plenty of bounce back potential. He's 28. He's in the prime of his career. I thought he was. I, I wasn't expecting this, but you can fill your roster with like mid career locked in playing time guys in the middle rounds, and they won't all work out, but but some of them will. Like you don't have. I guess I'm what I'm saying is you don't just have to get your breakout guys from 22 and 23 year olds.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, that, that's Which, a right, lesson we continually we can, learn.
2: Yeah, sometimes we get into that to thinking that. Like you said, like we've talked earlier about how many RBIs Adam Duvall has this year, right? We talked about it a week or two ago. And, and that's an aging player and has been a total, a total boom pick. Uh, yep. no, I can't say a breakout guy, but like has returned so much more than what you thought you were gonna get from. Him. It's not just the 22 or th- 23 year olds breaking out that give you these unexpected stat lines. It's sometimes yeah. it's the guys in the middle or second half of their careers.
1: Well, yeah, he's age twenty seven. Used to be the year. Yep. Um. And now it's it's not.
2: We're not uh, patient so enough anymore.
1: No. Um. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's compelling evidence that it is earlier now.
2: It is. Yes. Uh, it is
1: on average, but that doesn't yes. mean you know it's it, it's always that way. And his, uh, breakout
2: was, his breakout was his age 25, 26 season. It was 2019. Like I said, that season was, was an, as far as OPS, basically a carbon copy of this year. This year's a little better for fantasy because he's yeah. run a little more and there's a little more home runs in there. Few, fewer doubles, a little more home runs. That's true. That's true. Yeah.
1: Uh, Brad Johnson asked about Alec Bone. You know, used to be, you know, he was hugely impressed with his p- approach at the plate last year. This year, he looks totally lost.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Which guy is he?
2: i don't know um i don't know so last year so i wasn't i have no bomb i had no bomb at the beginning of the year
3: mm-hmm.
2: um he, like his batting last year was 410 now i know his batting average was 338 so like we could have a lot of regression there um and still have an okay batting average but um right. yeah this year his strikeout rate is up his walk rates down, but not a ton. His trigger rates up, but it, yeah, his trigger rates up. But it's not, it's not, well, it's not good. It's not the worst. Uh, I don't know. I'm just not, I'm still in like prove it mode. Like I would draft him next year. If he has a job starting job with the Phillies, I would draft him like for my bench or for one right. of my, or maybe like my corner spot, like around 20 for my corner spot guy. And let's see if the breakout happens. I am not writing him off by any stretch.
3: Right. Um,
2: but I I don't know he he's someone I think who benefited from a 410 BABIP last year. This year it's still 323 with 245 average. So I think you got to project something like a 250 batting average next year and and decent power like a bit of power. Oh God, there was just no power this year.
1: No, none. There was there wasn't even a whole lot last year either. He had no had, no. no.
2: That's but, right. There were four home runs in 44 games last year. So now you've got him having basically played a full season with 11 homers.
1: Yeah. He's visiting a doctor to uh, look at his wrist. So that might, that might explain a lot for us. And, but that also might mean it's something that hangs over next year too. So it goes both ways. You might say, Oh, it explains away everything, but it might not be completely fixed either. So that's, we'll we'll still have to kind of, kind of sort out a lot there. Good question, Brad. Appreciate you on that. Uh, Let's close with a couple other uh, parting thoughts here. Did Ian have, Fix, fix things just in time to tick everybody off. Now that everybody, every single person dropped him.
2: I, I know I dropped him. So I'm ticked off. Uh, I, I don't know. We always knew Ian Happ had pop. Uh, he just strikes out a lot and was totally lost early in the season. And the batting average was terrible. Now his batting average has been much better lately. Uh, is the strikeout rate down lately? Uh, not really, actually. No. Um, maybe he's making better contact. I'd have to go deeper a little bit on that. Maybe he's making some better contact, but he's just back to hitting home runs. Like I was expect, I have, I had Ian Happ on a lot of teams. I still have him on my mixed labor team. Um, but I, just, cause I couldn't find it. Just cause that leads a little deeper and I couldn't find anyone to drop him for. I just always had other guys I could drop who had no potential, but like he could finish this year. If he stays hot, he could finish this year with close to 25 home runs, maybe 25 home runs. That's not that far off what I was expecting. He just was lost for so long. Uh, he'll be back on my Boomer Bus picks list next year. I'm not closing the door on him yet. There's he can hit home runs and he can steal. Every a few time bases. you think
1: you're out, they pull yeah, you, back you back in. He pulls you
2: back in. He pulls you back in. Did you draft much of Hap this year?
1: I did have some. I had him in an in all only. I had him. I think I took him in the second chance league. Still believing at that point in time yeah. that he was going to turn it around. I mean, you wait long enough, anything can be proven right. And you, you you could turn yeah. it around for a week, or you could turn it around for yeah. a while. I mean, he's had nineteen homers uh, last last twenty one days. He's got eleven seventy one OPS. That's gross. But, uh, I know. Yeah.
2: So if he if he has a decent finish to the season, I don't even mean like incredible, but a decent finish to the season, he could have his career OPS back. It's seven ninety five. He could have it back to eight hundred at the end of the season. Well, if you're talking about a guy with a eight hundred career OPS who's still on that. He, he's kind of hitting, again, we're back to the, you know, he's someone who just turned 27. He's right around his peak. Um You know, like if if you're looking at someone with an 800 OPS, if he has locked in playing time next year, he's 27 for most of next season. I think you have to be interested in him. And I'm not going to be interested in him in round 11 like I was this year. I'm going to no. take him a lot later. No, but he can you, be my you won't have to. You
1: know, he's you know, an exciting you
2: outfielder five. Or it's kind of like... Bomb, I'd rather have Hap than Bomb by a lot. But maybe you take Hap and then you take some kind of boring, you know, veteran to kind of pair with them as your as your like sixth outfielder that were like just kind of bench depth. Like I'm thinking the same thing with Bomb. Like like this year you could have taken Joey Votto and then like a like a boomer bust guy like Bomb both in the in the late in the twenties for rounds, right? And sure. And and you've got you've got this boomer bus guy who you can see what you have in April. And then you've got a fallback veteran who That's in true. this case ended up having a great year. Could be, He needs to pick things up down the stretch because the reds really need him. He needs to get going again. Oh, uh, yes, he, yes, he does. Yes, they yeah. do.
1: Um, Because I don't want to end on an unhappy note. Let's talk about uh, his team, uh the teammates of uh, HAP. What about Rafael Ortega? What about Frank Schwindel? Everybody loves Frank.
2: I love Frank. I I was, uh, he was having a great year in the minors when they called him up and I didn't think he would do this, but I did think that Schwindel could come up, play a lot and hold his own. And he's obviously done a lot more than that. Um, Mm -hmm. Ortega. I, I think Trindell could maybe, there's so much, there's so much speculation here just because what are the Cubs going to do? Are they going to go deep rebuild and just give these guys a whole season of playing time next year? Or are they actually going to bring in players, bring players back in? You know, they got rid of Rizzo and Bryant, like actually going to bring in players next year and then push these guys to the bench. Um, So there's so much speculation on playing time. If Ortega is interesting because he can steal bases. Like if he played all year next year, yeah, I don't know if he could be a 2020 guy but he could be around there.
1: Yeah. I mean it could be I very think- interesting. Oh, but then again, is two this is one of those where you have to ask yourself is 200 plate appearances an, an adequate sample? No. Uh, no, it's but- it's like 2020 all over again. We're at two months then we have these yeah. outlier guys. Um uh, his
2: is uh, a little high. His is a little high. I would probably project him if he played all next year to hit like 260 or something like that, which takes some of the shine off him. But the speed's real like in in his career he's got 631 at bats and 25 steals. So if he played all year, he can steal you at least high teens or yeah. something if he plays all year. The the power I'm not totally that I'm a little less sure on, but but if he was if I knew he was going to play all year, I might project 13 homers, 18 steals, 260 batting average. That gets him drafted for sure. That puts him yeah. that's not far off where I had Robbie Grossman this year and I have him on a lot of teams and uh, like just an interesting power speed mix guy who you can get in the second half of your draft. Schwindel, I find like he's obviously way over his skis right now, but right, an but awesome he's also
1: star. probably got a higher floor than Ortega, too. You know, 220 yeah. is in is well within the range for Ortega. Yep. Uh, I- but I don't think Schwindel hits that poor for batting average.
2: No, he doesn't, because Schwindel is not a big strikeout guy. So yeah. I think I, or at least he hasn't been this year. So I think Schwindel, yeah, can have a higher average. He's obviously got no speed, but later in the draft, like, like if you knew Schwindel was the Cubs' first baseman next year, would you rather take him or Carlos Santana? Him. Yeah, I think so Santana's
1: quietly had a pretty bad year.
2: Pretty bad year, but but Santana's someone who always goes. In those 15 team leagues and even the twelves, he's someone who always goes late as like a late round corner infield, round yep. round twenty, something like that. And you know, he's not you're not excited about him, but he's gonna play and he's gonna fill out your roster. If Schwindel was playing, if I if we knew he was the Cubs first baseman next year, so I'm gonna say I think in 15 teams next leagues next year, he goes round fifteen, something like that, fourteen, fifteen, something mm-hmm. something like that. So and then We'll just see where, where things go from here. But again, again I have him in, in a few leagues, and I, I, was, I was interested in him, but definitely didn't think we were going to get No one did, that we were going to get something similar to this. But he was having a great year in the minors. Yep, he was. As a very old minor leaguer. Right.
1: You know, yeah. and, and case in point about Carlos Santana, he's got a 699 OPS. He's the, yeah. he's the 12-team league corner infielder killer. If you got him as yeah. one of your corners and you stuck with him, and I might be talking about myself here. Uh, if you stuck with them for most of the season, well, it's just a killer, just destroys you. Um, not as, not Christian Walker bad, but really bad. I, I may have had a lot of Christian Walker this year too. Uh, so I will look for at least a run. I will look for a Christian runner next year instead of a Walker, but, uh, we'll, we'll see about that. (laughs)
2: That was it. You're right. That was another one just was supposed to be these guys like, like, um, Santana Walker, they were supposed to be reliable playing everyday corner infielders. Mm -hmm. And we didn't even get that. We didn't even get that out of them. So maybe you just go for it with a guy like Schwindel anyways.
1: Yep. That's kind of my, that's kind of my thought process there and be ready to swap them out quickly if it doesn't work out.
2: Yeah. Any parting
1: thoughts before we sign off today, Fred?
2: Go Blue Jays. Big series this week against the Yankees. I think they're going to lose to Garrett Cole tonight. But I, if they could get two of these next three after getting yesterday's game, they can make things. I was ready to give up, Jeff. I'm going to be honest. I was giving up. Yeah. Ten, ten days ago or whatever it was, before they started that this winning streak, I was giving up. I said it's just not their year. They're a good team, but it's just on paper. And even in run differential, but it's just not their year. But now I've got life. I can't wait to watch the game tonight, even though I think Cole is going to carve them up because he's really on a roll right now.
1: Yeah, but, you know, I mean, stranger things have happened. You know, you got a great outing out of Ryu yesterday. That uh, was something that had, was a long, kind of a long time coming against the Yanks. So that was nice yeah. to see. Mats has been great in his last two outings. So it's maybe another lefty. Tonight. lefties in Yankee Stadium aren't that bad you know yeah. it's it's the short porch and right but that neutralizes the lefties Now the thing that the yankees haven't gotten is they haven't gotten Rizzo and Gallo to get hot uh you know in fact Gallo's not even in the lineup tonight so we'll see why why that's yeah. the case but uh they they haven't gotten rolling so i mean maybe Matt's hold serve at least and then they have a battle of the bullpens Nola Izaga for the yankees now so
2: yeah you never yeah know. that probably the jays key is try to get to say the 7th inning not trailing or maybe within one or something like that. Sure. Exactly. Exactly.
1: All right. Big thanks to WinBet for sponsoring us. Big thanks to you guys for listening, Brad. Thanks for the question. Thanks to everybody else for chiming in. We got the uh, prospect podcast again tomorrow, Clay and James. Thanks for listening to Rotowire. Have yourself a great day. This is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer. He hears things differently to the untrained ear. Everything on his shop floor might sound fine